0: This message tonight is more of a Bible study, so I want you to get a, a pen or pencil out. And If you're used to taking notes in your Bible, I'll ask that you do so. I think there's some things here in this story that you're going to want to look back on and try to think about, especially if you go back to it, through and read it or come through it again at another time in your Bible reading. But uh, I'm going to just to tell the story of Asa, young Asa and old Asa. And it's the rise and fall of a great man. And uh, we'll take a look at his life. We're going to go through a couple chapters here, so follow along with me. And uh, we'll just take it verse by verse for a little while. But let's begin with prayer. Father, we ask your blessing to be upon the message tonight. Help us to listen. Help us to all of us, including myself, apply these things to our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Look in verse 1 of chapter fourteen, Second Chronicles, chapter 14, verse 1. So Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, his son, reigned in his stead. In his days the land was quiet ten years. You can write next to that verse a calling. As one, We want every young person, for whatever reason, this young man uh, decided that uh, when God called and God the opportunity to, to serve was there... He was willing to do so. And look at verse two and said, "And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord His God." And you go right next to that, the word commitment." In his young age, he had decided somehow, when his father hadn't done much, that he was going to live right. And I'll say this to everyone, and many of our young people are not here tonight. And our parents aren't here, just the grandparents, or those who are uh, have uh, young children still at home or newlyweds. I'm going to tell you something tonight. Listen carefully. Living a committed life takes a, it take, it's a it's a decision. It's not something you're going to do accidentally. It's something that you have to literally, like Daniel did. You have to purpose in your heart to do so, because the decision to be committed is that's the easy day. That's the easy day. To live from that point on. Uh, You newlyweds looking at me right now, listening to me carefully. To live a committed life for the Lord is going to be on purpose. Deciding to do so is great and wonderful. And we've worked hard to keep our young people's hearts tender and right towards the things of God. It wasn't but a few weeks ago. This auditorium was filled with uh, teenagers, 2,000 teenagers and workers here. And our job during that conference was to help young people to open their heart and open their mind to being committed for the Lord. But the work began when they got home. To stay committed, that's the hard part. Now look, let's, let's follow along some more in Ace's life in verse 3. So now the work began. The cleansing, as I you can write that word down next to it. For he took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places, and break down the images, and cut the groves, and commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law, which do the law and the commandment. And also, and he, and I'm sorry, he took away out of the cities of Judah the high places and the images, and the king, and the kingdom was quiet. Before him, now the the, the word uh, the term there quiet before him, and there was peace. There was peace among the people, but they got rid of all the idols. They got rid of the groves that they worship. They got rid of the high places where they would go up on hills or up in the mountains and have little worship centers. And I've seen those in foreign countries I've been to, and uh, and he got rid of all those, or most of them at least. And the people were. People were at peace. And then, verse 6, I want you to look at it. And he built fenced cities in Judah, for the land had rest, and he had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore he said unto Judah, Let us build these cities, and make about them walls and towers and gates and bars, while the land is yet before us, because we have sought the Lord our God. We we, We have sought him and he hath given us rest on every side. So they built up and prospered. Now you've got to look at, now comes a time of building. And this is the progression in everyone, one's life. From the, the day that we answer that call to through commitment, and uh, through the cleansing and getting things out of our lives that are, are hindrances to serving the Lord, to a place that brings us to a peaceful place, and now we start strengthening. Now we start building. Now we start uh, listening and adding things to our life. I'll take for a moment here, if I may, and this is what Pastor has done when he came here, and, uh, and he started us really in depth and put probably close to 4,000 of us uh, through discipleship programs. It's building. It's, it's building, It's strengthening. It's going through the Bible and listening to it and studying it precept by precept. It's what we're doing tonight. It's what our parents out at Baptist City are doing this evening. It's what our children do in the Christian school. It strengthens and builds us. In verse 8, And Asa had an army of men that bare targets and spears out of Judah, 300,000 out of Benjamin that bear shields and drew bows, thousand of these were mighty men of valor. So now they were, they were strong, they were fortified, they had young soldiers and, uh, and close to half a million man army at this point in time. Life is good. Life is good. All of a sudden, they're feeling big, they're feeling powerful, they're feeling very protected. And then, conflicts. Now listen to me carefully, this happens in everyone's Christian life. This happens in every church, every single church. I was talking to Brother Wes Wilson this afternoon and, and some of the churches that we have been in, you know, it doesn't matter the size of the church, they all have conflicts that go on. They're all having great days just in a church this past weekend and they're, they're on top of the mountain right now. They're building and they're growing and the people are happy and excited. But I know one thing for sure, conflicts are coming because It happens in every church, in every family. And you think sometimes, well, you know, what did I do wrong? It's just, you didn't do wrong, you live in a sinful world. You didn't get a choice in the matter. And look, if you would, in verse 9, and there came out against Zerah the, the, uh, uh, Zerah the Ethiopian with a host of a thousand, thousand, three hundred chariots came unto Marisha. Then Asa went out against him. And they set the battle in array in the valley of Zephatha and Marisha. And Asa cried unto his God, and he said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God. For we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God. Let no man prevail against thee. Now here, during conflicts, because of the preceding part of their life for the first ten years or so here, now they, uh, Asa had gotten, he'd gotten uh, committed and got rid of the groves and got rid of the idols and there had peace and they, they strengthened and fortified their city and built up their armies and now an army twice their size was up against them. And he did the right thing here. He cried out to God. You can write that down. He cried out to God. There will be many times where you feel like you're doing everything just perfectly. And you lose your job. You're just doing everything right. You're tithing. You're going to church. And all of a sudden, you get cancer. And all of a sudden, a child goes astray. All of a sudden something catastrophic happens in your life and, and immediately we go to wondering, God, why? And again, I say it's because we, we live in a sin, a sin cursed world. And we got, we got a Satan down there that's looking for every chance to find us and to, 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 to poke at us and to dis- discourage us and keep us from doing everything that we we're supposed to do. But here, Asa did the exact right thing. He got on his knees and he cried out to the only person that could help him. He cried out to God. And I know sometimes we don't want to do that, and I know sometimes that seems uh, just almost uh, panicking and almost sissified in some ways. But that's exactly what God wants us us to do. God wants us to cry out to Him, and that's what He did. Now, I want you to remember verse 11 here because you're going to find out at the end of the story how important that verse is, okay? So he cries out to the Lord. And so the Lord, in verse 12, And so the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people that were with him with him pursued them unto Gerar. And the Ethiopians were overthrown, that they could not recover themselves, for they were destroyed. Not beaten. The Bible says destroyed. Destroyed before the Lord and before the host, and they carried away very much spoil. So the battle, the battle that uh, seemingly this conflict that looked like it was, that was going to take everything that they had end up being an incredible blessing. They left that battle alive, in charge, and wealthy. Now you listen to me carefully. I don't, I'm not saying that you're going to find a pot of gold at the end of every battle. But I'm going to tell you something. You're going to find strength that you never knew you could have. And you're going you're to tell of blessings and the goodness of God, and you're going to be an example to your children and grandchildren of all the good things God has done for you and your life. You're going to come out richer because of it. And I want you to look, look at verse 13. Ace and all the people that were with him pursued them into Gerar. In other words, he just didn't quit. He just didn't want to win the battle stop. They pursued. They kept on. And boy, so many great things happened. I want you to look in chapter 15 if you would. And the Spirit of God came into Azariah, verse 1, the son of Oded. And uh, he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, "Hear ye meet Asa and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while ye be with, with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he, he will forsake you. Now, look at me and listen carefully now. This is a challenge. You can write that word down. This is a challenge from the man of God. You listen to me and pay close attention to this. I sit on this platform over here uh, most of the time where Brother Nelson's sitting tonight. And I do, my, I do my best in almost every service to ask the Holy Spirit to show me something. And you ought to come to church ready to hear something from the God. Not just a new tidbit, but something you can bite on. Something that will challenge you. Something that will prick your heart to make you a better child of God. And all of a sudden, this prophet comes. He wasn't invited. Listen carefully to me. Unsought advice is seldom followed and usually resented, right? You came to church tonight, so you get whatever I have. You don't have a choice. Well, you do have a choice. You didn't have to come. But you came, so you get it, right? But if I came to your house and say, hey, listen, you know, I'm going to take the next hour and I'm going to preach to you. You might get a little offended. I didn't ask for that. And neither did Asa here. But the prophet comes to him and says, guess what? You know what? I want you to hear me. You and all the tribe of Benjamin and Judah. Listen to me carefully now. Uh, The Lord's with you while you're with him. And, uh, but if you forsake him, he's going to forsake you. These were stern words. And the prophet wasn't being nice. Now for a long season, in verse 3, Israel hath been without a tr- the true God. And he starts to teach him a little bit. And without a teaching priest and without law. But when they, in their trouble, did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. You ever notice something in the Bible? You know, God is never lost. God has never one time not been able to find His way. It's us who are lost. It's it's the Christians who don't find their way. Look at verse 5. And in those times there was no peace for Him that went out nor to Him that came in, but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the the countries. And nation was and nation was destroyed of nation in the city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Be ye strong. This is the admonition here. This is the challenge. Be strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And look at verse 8. And Asa heard these words, and the prophecy of Obed, and the prophet he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord we got converted again he got ch- his, that challenge brought conviction to him you can write that word down next to these verses conviction comes through again. He once cleared his city but he found out in time that those those uh, idols creep back in. And all of a sudden they had taken some new land and you know what they hadn't cleansed that land either. You will never not need church. You will never not need preaching. You will never not need time in your Bible. You will never not need to have the admonition and the edifying of the man of God. You will never not need that. I don't care who we are, and I don't care how long we've been in the ministry, we all get full of ourselves. We all get careless, and things come in our hearts, and things come in our lives that shouldn't be there. And, you know, through the exhortation of the word of God, we should be challenged. And he did. And he took it. He didn't ask for that, remember? But he took it. He says, okay, we're cleaning house again. This is what we're going to do. Verse 9, And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. For they fell to to him out, out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with them. In other words, because of their prosperity, a lot of folks moved into town So the Christians were living, living well. They wanted to be a part of that. But they also brought in their sin. They also brought in their groves, and they brought in their high places. So they gathered themselves together, in Jerusalem, in the third month, in the 15th year of the reign of Asa, and they offered unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had brought, 700 oxen, 7,000 sheep, and they entered into a covenant. I like this. To, to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. You can write down by this a new covenant. A new, a new covenant with God. We're going to follow you, God. You know, just because we said that when we were in college doesn't mean we've kept it well. There might be times, and let me tell you something, you know, one of the most used places in this auditorium by you should not be the pews, it should be this altar. When you see people going forward, have you ever wondered? I wonder if I should go. If you wondered that, you should have gone. Here he says here that in verse 13, that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to what? They were getting serious. Their backsliding program was uh, it was serious. I mean there was no return if you're going you were going to live the Lord for the Lord or else And they they made such a strong covenant with God whether small or great, whether man or woman, and they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with cornets. And all of Judah rejoiced at the oath. Isn't that something? No, I got, I got to go to church tonight. Or I can't do this. I can't do that. They didn't live like that. They were glad to give up the sins of their, their, their youth, the sins of the foreign lands. And they were excited. Verse 16, it said, and all co- also concerning, now I love this part, They also concerning uh, Me- Mecha, the mother of Asa, the king, he removed her from being queen. You know, he fired his own mother. How many guys have ever wanted to do that? There <laughs> are a couple times, and uh, he fired his own mother, removed her from being queen because she had made an idol in a grove. And Asa cut down her idol and stamped it and burnt it in the brook of Kidron. But the high places were not taken away out of Israel. Nevertheless, um, the heart of Asa was perfect all the days. There were still some high places left. It's just amazing how, no matter how convicted we get, we still leave some sin there unchecked. I'm coming to the end here, and we'll give the lessons and be gone tonight, but listen carefully in chapter 16. In the sixth and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa, Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah to the intent that it might let none go out or come in to Asa king of Judah. In other words, they get besieged around Judah. And Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of the Lord and out of the king's house and sent to ben- Ben-Hadad king of Syria that dwelt in Damascus, saying, There is a league between me and me and thee, as there was between my father and thy father. Behold, I have set, sent thee silver and gold. Go break thy league with Baasha." King of Israel, that he may depart that he may depart from me. I write down the word complacency at this. For these many, many years now, <clears throat> he'd been living for the Lord. His country had been humming along. Everybody had been going to church. Everybody'd been doing right. Peace had been in the land. Now all of a sudden Israel gets hinky again and besieges them. And Instead of doing what he had done before, instead of crying out to God, he goes and he steals from the house of God, the gold and silver, the finest of their house, and he goes and buys him an army from the Syrians. And listen to me carefully, and this is where many of us, and tonight I believe the Lord asked me to speak on this this evening, and, and uh, most of us here, we don't have, we're empty nesters, or we're grandparents, and our kids are not in Hammond Baptist tonight. Our grandkids are, but, but our own children, our families are not. And we've been in the ministry a long time. We've been in this church maybe a long time. But all of us can get to the place to where we don't need to be as strong as we once were spiritually. We know enough about this book right here to coast. We know enough about the things of God to allow ourselves some freedoms we don't deserve. And how many times I've seen preachers my age now, I don't feel like I'm old, but I am getting closer to it every day. And uh, youth is fleeting from me. I understand that. And I understand something now I didn't understand in my 30s and 40s. I understand that why preachers get tired of fighting because they do at this age. And they just want to live a peaceable retirement. When we were looking for a pastor, I remember Brother Doug Fisher told Brother Terry Duff and I, he said, I, God's going to bring you uh, someone that you're going to enjoy, but uh, I believe he's going to give you somebody, and I would pray that he would give you somebody that's in their 40s with children in his home. And I didn't quite understand that. I thought that was a pretty good idea, though. But I understand that today because in the, at the age of 60, or in my 60s now, I, I realize I don't want to fight as hard as I used to. I, I want to. I want to set up a retirement so I can enjoy the Christian life, enjoy the fruit of my labor, and coast through instead of fighting on. And I watch preachers change. I watch their churches change, I watch their music change, their standards change, their doctrine change, their versions of their Bible change. It just happens. And now we see this great king, Asa. The model role for every young king to take his kingdom now comes to a place where he's buying an army with God's money. With God's money. I want you to look down, if you would, verse 4, And Ben-Hadad hearkened unto Asa, King Asa, and sent captains of the armies against the cities of Israel, and they smote Ahan and Dan and abel and all the store cities of Naphtali. And it came to pass, as Basha heard it, that he left off building of Ramah and let the work cease. Look down at verse 7. And at that, at that time... Naai, the seer. You now that the preacher comes knocking again. It wasn't invited in again. And he said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, not relied on the Lord thy God, before, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubans a huge host with very uh, many chariots and horsemen, Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, He delivered them in, uh, into thine hand. Verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards Him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth, thou shalt have wars. Nasa did not rely on God. And all of a sudden, condemnation came into his life. The end of his days, when he should have been retiring in in honor and glory, he should have been setting up the next king to come in and carry on what he had been preaching and teaching the last 30-some years. And now he's living in condemnation, and the prophet comes to him, and he challenges him again. This time it's different than Asa in verse 10. Look, listen to this and write this down or just circle this. And Asa was wroth with the seer and put him in a prison house for he was in a rage with him because of this thing. And Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. You're gonna find, You're going to find that when you're not right with God and you're challenged by the things of God, you're going to find that anger is your first reaction. It's your first reaction. It's what we do. And all of a sudden, now it's the preacher's fault. And if you want to find, if you want to, you know, I don't know of a better man. I don't know of a finer Christian man than John Wilkerson. But if you want to find fault in him, you will. You can find it. And many times you can make it up, and people will believe it. You'll believe it. But the truth is. Here Asa had been living the model Christian life, the model life of a leader, and he comes down and he blows it at the last days, and instead of falling on his face before God and saying, I've sinned, he he got angry and he threw the preacher in jail. Then he started lashing out at the people in anger. And Asa in his 39th year of his reign was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. And this is interesting. Yet in his disease, he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. So for two years of his, last two years of his life, he had some kind of rot on his feet. I heard a preacher say one time, this was the footnote of Asa's life. Lived a great life, but died with rotten feet. And at all that time, throughout all that pain, after he'd seen all of God's victories, he kept bringing in doctor, after doctor, after doctor, and never would cry out to God he got so stubborn in what he was and he died and he died after living such a just incredible textbook christian life of a leader let me just give you a couple things to go home with one once you commit to righteousness you become a target for Satan make no mistake The day you surrender to the Lord is the day Satan is going to look for ways to get you and he finally got Asa. Number two, Satan will look for your vulnerability. He'll look for some chink in your armor, some weakness in your character. And Number three, don't ever let failure make you quit. Don't let failure make you quit. That's a win for Satan. The only way to overcome failure is to succeed. The only way to make... Satan's success is for you to fail and to quit. Failing isn't the end. Quitting is. And the day that you quit, the day day that you bail out, the day that you leave your family, the day that you leave God, Satan wins. The day you made a mistake is a bad day. But it's not a victory for Satan. It's a skirmish that he wins, but he hasn't won the war then. And Asa could have at any time any time in his last two years, I believe, cried out to God and asked for forgiveness, but never did, and died at odds with God. Now I wonder what that second after death was like when he met God face to face. I wonder how foolish he felt. I wonder how silly he felt being stubborn at God for over two years. Yeah, he made a big boo-boo. A foolish mistake. And he got cold on the carpet on it. And instead of changing his thinking, he decided to dig in and just be stubborn about it. And last, vigilance every day will allow God to continue to show His power through you. And just like the prophet said to him, God is searching and walking through this earth, looking for men, looking for women, looking for young people, that He can spend your life, my life, showing His strength through us, showing His light through us. Paul said in Philippians chapter three, "I press toward, brother, and I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth." unto those things which are before. He found that even in his early days, he lived a rough, wicked life, but he realized that, you know what, as long as he forgets the past and he continues to look forward, he finished well, and he did. And he did. Stay involved. Stay faithful. And let's all finish well. Let's finish well. Let's let's pray your pastor finishes well. Let's pray that our staff members finish well. Let's pray that our parents finish well, and stay true to the things that we've been taught. Asa had a wonderful, wonderful beginning of life, an incredibly sad ending, and he'd finished poorly, a race that should have been won with great fanfare, great many awards, written in the Bible as one of the greats, but instead, he died with rotten feet, rotten feet. Let's bow our heads for prayer.